What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode two of Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I'll sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. We're all trying to figure out how to be the best leaders that we can be so we can be the leaders that God has created for us to be. I've always wondered what it would be like to sit down with some great leaders over lunch and ask questions. So we decided rather than just me doing it, we'd all pull up a chair for the time and listen in and figure out all the things they've learned that we need to know. Last month, we were able to get kicked off with Jason Romano from ESPN and what great lessons he left for us about faith and that willingness to step out. But today, we get to interview legendary Georgia football coach Vince Dooley. Coach Dooley and his wife Barbara have four children, and they've been cornerstones in the Athens community since he became the head football coach in 1963. During his tenure at Georgia, he amassed over 200 wins versus 77 losses while leading the team to 20 bowl games in his 25 seasons. In 1980, Coach Dooley led his dogs to the national championship in football, and for his time on the sidelines, he was a multi-year winner of the SEC Coach of the Year Award, and in 1994 was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. During that time at Georgia, he also served as athletic director from 1979 to 2004. To say he's learned about leadership would be an understatement. But I promise you, you are in for a treat. So listen in for my time with Coach Dooley. Well, Coach Dooley, thank you so much for joining us today on Lynch with the Leader. And it is an honor to get to spend a little bit of time with you. Well, thank you. And I'm uh, honored to be uh, asked to uh, spend some time. Coach, you have had an incredible career multi-year winner of the SEC Coach of the Year, uh, national championship, inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. As you look back on your coaching career, what are some of your favorite memories of your time on the sidelines at Georgia? Well, I think that it'll, it'll go all the way back uh, before that uh, because I have been um, extremely blessed in, uh, in being around uh, good people with uh, – good influence. I was very fortunate to have good influence, starting with parents, uh, the teachers that I had, and uh, the coaches that I had, and then the opportunity as a result of that, which uh, got me on the uh, sidelines. And uh, the, uh, the success we've had, as I, I think back on it, uh, will always be uh, special in my memory, but uh, what becomes uh, increasingly more important uh, as I go along in life is, uh, is the uh, association uh, with I've had with my coaches and particularly with the players. Uh, they have, uh, th that's been the real reward. That, that certainly doesn't lessen 
the uh, good feeling uh, that I've had about the success we've had and, and some of the highlights. But again, what is increasingly more important, it's always been important, but it becomes even more important as you go along in life and are able to spend time with players that you had the privilege of coaching that you've gotten to know even in a, a different, closer way and the fact that you've learned so much from each and every one of them. That's really good. Was it difficult, you know, and I know as a, as a head football coach, you are, you're running a business in a lot of ways. How did you, what are some things for maybe some young coaches that are listening in? What are some things you did to coach your coaches? You brought great men around you, but what were the things you did to pour into them while they were alongside you coach? Well, I hope that uh, that uh, not so much what I've said, but I hope that the uh, good example uh, that I tried to uh, uh, be uh, was uh, the most important influence on them uh, in uh, in their job, uh, and that uh, starts with integrity. Uh, that has uh, always. Uh, the uh, number one value that uh, we tried to emphasize is we had to have a, a, a sound program. Uh, and if you have a sound program, uh, then uh, it is able to survive and uh, flourish uh, with some of the crises that you're bound to go through uh, in uh, this type of work. Uh, and uh, you have crises that either takes place on the field or off the field. There's, because of the high visibility of the sport, there's always something uh, out there that's a challenge, and we have tried to uh, uh, address each of those challenges as opportunities to uh, make the program grow. And if we had a sound base of integrity, uh, that we would be able to survive uh, the tough times and and learn from the tough times to make an even better program. So I tried to uh, instill that as a philosophy uh, as as the head coach and the one primarily responsible for the program. What was the, what was the hardest time you guys walked through? And I'm sure I'm sure there were many during that time. What what were what was the valley that you walked through that you said, man, those things we instilled, and I love that. I love how you said that. Those things that we instilled, that integrity and that philosophy of how we do things. What was one of those times that you walked through, and how did you get through it? Well, we had. Um... One, of course, we had some on the field uh, where we had a, to recommit ourselves to make sure that we self-analyze us as we uh, address a situation. And this is in coaching I'm talking about. If we if we came off of a bad season, as we tried to look back on it to, uh, to see where we went wrong, uh, to make sure that we started with ourselves, and that starts with me, uh, is to self-evaluate how, how I handle uh, everything, uh, and then the coaches as well. And then after that, we would get to the players. So those are th things that are part of, of coaching. 
when you lose uh, weekly or if you uh, have a season that you're not very happy with. Uh, but the other is the off-the-field crises that uh, has been the downfall, I guess, of some programs. Uh, we had uh, something that was known as the uh, Jan Kemp episode, and uh, she was a teacher uh, that actually uh, sued the university. She was uh, a teacher in develop developmental studies, which was a studies as a remedial program for uh, some of the students, uh, including some athletes um, that needed uh, basic uh, English, basic math. And uh, the uh, teacher uh, felt like that uh, the administration uh, was not uh, uh, doing what she thought was the proper thing. She was in herself a good teacher, and she had some complaints. But uh, unfortunately, because perhaps she was stonewalled, uh, nobody sat down and met with her, though I did. She did uh, write me a long letter, and uh, I visited with her, tried to uh, listen and, and address some of her concerns. Uh, most of them, I felt like, were unfounded, but there were some things that needed to be addressed. Uh, but uh, the administration felt like that uh, this would set a bad precedence for uh, other faculty members, so uh, it ended up in a lawsuit, uh, which uh, was uh, won by Jan Kemp, and uh, as a result of it, the president and the uh, uh, vice president for academic affairs and the person in charge of the studies uh, all uh, lost their jobs as a result of it. Uh, but uh, we were then, because of the complaints, we were investigated by the NCAA. We were investigated uh, by a faculty chair, uh, uh, and then we were investigated by the Board of Regents, and we were investigated by the newspaper. So our, our body, in, in essence, was split wide open with a flashlight uh, going all through us. And each day there was some kind of new discovery, so to speak. Uh, and uh, so finally we said, look, we can't sit around here every day trying to respond to every kind of uh, thing that is thrown at us. But what we can do is take advantage of this opportunity to make ourselves a better program. And as a result of that, what we ended up doing, we ended up uh, putting in the first mission statement in college athletics. Uh, we got a uh, public relations firm. Uh, they interviewed some 25 of our most distinguished alumni and uh, people at, uh, in the faculty, as well as uh, members of the athletic board, as, as, law, as well as administrators in the, uh, in the department. And after a year and a half, we came up with this, uh, this mission statement of saying, what are we all about? Why are we here? Uh, what are our values? And uh, that really became the first mission statement in college athletics, and it came out of this crisis that we went through. We said, look, 
if our program is sound, we will we'll survive this and we'll be better because of it. And maybe we had a black eye or maybe we wobbled a little bit, but our our feet were under the ground on the ground and we were solid because I think the program was based on integrity. And if you're able to do that, you're able to survive crisis and grow from it. And I think that's the best example I can give you. Yeah, that's quite an example. And I know that that it's one of those things you're like, I didn't sign up for this when I became the football coach. I didn't know I was getting into all this. Did that rob some of the joy of it for you, coach, during that season? Did that take some of the fun out of what you did for a living? Well, it was challenging. It really was. Uh, and... Uh, it, uh, however, when it was over and, uh, and we, we had the mission statement, uh, you know, we felt good about the way we addressed, uh, addressed the issue. Uh, and again, uh, the fact that, uh, we felt like that, uh, that the program was based on integrity, that our uh, program was solid, uh, and that we could survive the crises and grow from it and learn from it. And as I pointed out, we ended up with the first mission statement. Since that time, I think every program in the country has adapted uh, some type of mission statement, uh, you know, asking, what are we about? Right. What, why are we here? What is our mission? And what are our values? And at the top of all those values is the value of integrity. That's, that's really good. And, uh, you know, and I, I know just as a kid who grew up in the state of Georgia and a lot of kids from my high school went and played there, I knew that was a huge piece of your building block there. When, when you guys won the national championship coach in 1980, did you see that something, there was something special about that team during the year or was it more, a, you got into the year and it's like, wow, we're, we're better than I thought they would be. When did you begin to see that could be a special year for you? Well, I really felt like we had a good, solid team coming back. Uh, but there was one uh, missing piece of the puzzle, and that was a, a tailback. <laughs> and it just so happened that we signed this missing piece of the puzzle by the name of Herschel Walker. And uh, Herschel... Uh, was just uh, an amazing individual that uh, that was able to come out of the smallest uh, classification in the state and to be able to go into competition right away at the highest level. Uh, and he did that, and he was the missing piece. And, but Herschel will also tell you that he had an incredible supporting cast, and we really did. We had some terrific players around. Uh, as an example, uh, Scott Warner, who was our safety man, who led the nation uh, in punt returns, was just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Wow. He was a safety man on that national championship team. Uh, he was the Herschel Walker of the defense. And so he was inducted, and so many of them became uh, all-conference players and uh, many of them went on and uh, played uh, professional football. So as a result of that, we had a solid team. And uh, as the season uh, went on, we were able to, uh, uh, to, to win close football games. Hmm. And I think by doing that, uh, developed uh, a feeling uh, that somehow, some way, we're going to win. 
Uh, it may be Herschel Walker running for 150 yards, or it may be Scott uh, Warner returning a punt and intercepting a pass, which he did against Clemson. That's There's right. no way we could have beaten Clemson without him. Or it could have been Buck Baluda, Lindsey Scott against Florida. We could not have won that game. So it, there's a good example of how uh, all at one time or another would rise to the occasion. And while one phase of the game uh, wasn't doing as well, another phase would take up the slack. And I really believe that they gained the confidence that somehow, some way, <laughs> they're going to find a way to win. And it just, that was just the pattern throughout the season. And they ended up uh, being the only. Uh, undefeated, undisputed uh, national champions of that year and of Georgia's history. Yeah, that was uh, when 34 appeared in the backfield. That changed a lot of games, I know. And I, so was that was that recruiting process? You're trying. You probably walked. You saw. I know. I know his high school coach, Coach Phillips, quite well. He was my high school principal. Um, and he's told me a lot of stories about Herschel in high school. When you saw him down there at that tiny little school, uh, were you battling a lot of other schools to try to get him? And what did what was what was it that sold him to come to Georgia? What connected you guys? <laughs> well, there was uh, no question that uh, he was good. <laughs> you know, my and I knew he was going to be a great player. The, the question I had was how soon was he going to be great because that? of coming out of the lower classification. Uh, he certainly had good coaching uh, there, both uh, in football and in track. Uh, he had some good coaches. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, he ended up being the number one recruit uh, in the country that year. But it's also interesting uh, that – at the same time that we signed Herschel as the number one recruit in the country, we also signed a person that may had have been the least sought-after player in the country. And I'm talking about Terry Hogue. Uh, Terry Hogue was from Huntsville, Texas, and the only uh, scholarship that he had to a Division 1A classification uh, school was Georgia because we took a chance on him. We had two scholarships left and we wanted to go out and find a, a good student, maybe one that would, would hang around a, a good while and maybe help us his junior or senior year. And it turned out that we signed uh, Terry Hogue, who became, like Herschel, a consensus All-American. Herschel was a three-time consensus and Terry Hogue ended up being uh, a two-time consensus and an academic Hall American. Wow! So you've got you've got to have, uh, along with everything, a little bit of good fortune, and we were blessed to not only sign Herschel that year, but to sign Terry Hogue. That 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 uh, that worked out quite well. That worked out quite well. So you're doing this, coach. You're in the middle of building a career. You are. Um, you and your wife are cornerstones in Athens, Georgia. How did you keep such a vibrant marriage while you were on such a large public platform? How did you do that? 
Well, uh, it's maybe I recruited good as well. Well, like a Herschel, <laughs> she might have been the <laughs> she might have been the Herschel woman. I really, uh, I, I've always uh, the faith was important to me growing up as a youngster. It was important to my mother, as an example. But neither one of my parents finished grammar school. But I remember when the recruiter would come, the recruiters would come in and talk to them about a scholarship. The only thing that my mother was interested in was if they had a church there. Uh, we, we were Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And uh, she wanted to be sure that nothing else mattered, just to make sure that there was a church, a Catholic church there that I could go to. That's the only thing she was wow. concerned about. So it so it shows the priority of it. Nothing else was important. And then I had good training uh, uh, with the nuns uh, and also with the brothers in high school. So I had a pretty good idea that I wanted somebody that, that shared a, a, a faith uh, as I did. And uh, so I found that in uh, in Barbara. I didn't find it until after I had finished college and went off in the Marine Corps. Then I came back uh, and started coaching, and I became the faculty chair of the uh, Newman Club, which was the student's uh, center. And I looked out among all of those uh, co-eds, and I felt like that uh, uh, this young lady, freshman that I saw, needed more counseling and advising <laughs> of if any of the others. <laughs> she didn't, she hadn't listened to me very well, but anyway, it was, uh, and she is, uh, and has been the, the woman that I thought uh, she would have been. And that is one that uh, shared uh, uh, faith. It's, uh, it's even, uh, it's even more important to her uh, than it is to me. So I wanted somebody that, uh, that I could rise to her occasion. And uh, we believe, as an example, both believe in prayer, but but in a different way, as an example. uh, When we prayed as a team, we asked God to uh, help us to do the best we could do. And I thought the rest would take care of itself. And Barbara never believed in that. She believed in praying to win. So there was a difference in in the way we uh, approached our prayer and our faith. How many years have y'all been married, Coach? It will be 58 uh, wow. in March. That's yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And y'all have got four yeah, children. It, I mean, yeah. yeah four, we got four, four children, children who've um, all grown up to be successful. Any advice to parents nowadays as you look back on this generation of parents and, and you look back on raising your kids? Any advice to parents that are in the middle of, of growing theirs up that you could pass on? Well, I think we have a, a good balance with uh, Barbara. She's more apt to uh, uh, to give them things and to and to fight for them. She'll uh, she, she'll give them the hell uh, when she needs to, but boy, nobody else better give them hell because uh, <laughs> it's the same way with me. Uh, so, uh, but I felt like that they, um, you know, they need to. Uh, to work, they need to earn what they get, and um, and all of works. Um, and uh, uh, after school, and uh, and uh, so they earn their own little spending money. Uh, we certainly provided for them the basics, but uh, 
I felt like that they certainly needed to uh, to learn about uh, the importance of uh, of good hard work and uh, and not just have things constantly given to them. And we probably strike a good balance in there. Barbara likes to give them everything, but I like them to work for it. So we end up with a good balance between the two. You meet, you meet in the middle. That works out. Yeah. You, you had yeah. made it 58 years yet and figured out how to meet in the middle. So that, that worked That's out right. well. That worked. Did you ever think, I know you did the athletic director work at, at Georgia for many years. Uh, did you ever think about getting back into coaching? Did that ever tempt you at any point? You know, once I, um, I was very, very fortunate uh, to have done everything that I wanted to do. Uh, I was the head coach for 25 years, and, uh, and I left when I wanted to leave under the conditions that I wanted to leave. And I was fortunate to uh, still be uh, associated with athletics uh, in, in administration. And that I had a pretty broad perspective of the importance of a total sports program and uh, was anxious to uh, meet the challenge of what was going on at the time, which was Title IX and women's yeah. sports. And, uh, and uh, so uh, I uh, was excited about being the athletic director and I think that we got uh, off to a great start in uh, women's sports, which still carries on uh, today. Uh, so I, uh, again, was still around uh, athletics and uh, have uh, kind of enjoyed the success of some of those athletes. Uh, in fact, I just uh, uh, returned, uh, Barbara and I did this past weekend from Canton, Ohio, uh, where Terrell Davis, I didn't coach Terrell, but I was the athletic director there. And uh, Terrell was inducted into the Professional uh, Pro Hall of Fame in Canton uh, this past weekend. And to uh, and he invited us along with uh, Coach Goff and uh, some others that uh, helped to recruit him come to Georgia uh, uh, to uh, come and uh, – and enjoy the uh, uh, the celebration of the induction. So we were part of that. So I have uh, enjoyed still being around athletics and all of it uh, right here at the University of Georgia. That's a, that really is an amazing. It's an amazing thing that you've invested so much of your life in that one area. It, it, as you look back, Coach, and and you're in that season of life and looking back in the rearview mirror and, and looking back on your journey, what do you want, what do you want your former players and the coaches that coached with you, your kids, what do you want them to remember most about you? What, what do you hope that you, you did most in their lives? Well, I, again, uh, you start with running a program in the right way. Uh, and, uh, being an example, a good example of, of how to do things. And the fact that integrity is so important. It's, if you don't have that as a base, you, know, you don't have a worthwhile program at all. And, uh, and I hope that some of the way that I handle things uh, would be uh, good examples uh, to them. Uh, 
uh, and also uh, to um, to enjoy life and uh, to live as as long as you alive. I heard somebody use that phrase, and uh, I have done that even in retirement. Uh, I've done things that I feel good about. I was uh, asked to be a consultant at Kennesaw State mm-hmm. when they started a program, a football program from scratch. Uh, and I was uh, there two, three years before that in preparation for that and in, in, in being chair of the study committee and uh, in helping that to get started and seeing the hiring of the athletic director and then the football coach and they're off and running. And I felt good about that. Uh, I've also been one that's uh, uh, enjoyed learning. I, I really uh, have, have audited a lot of courses. One of the great things about living around a university is if you've got a curiosity about anything, you can satisfy it as an expert on everything. So I've always enjoyed history. I enjoyed Civil War history. Uh, and uh, I've audited a lot of courses. And as a result of that, I've written uh, some books, uh, written books not only on football but on the history. I just finished a book. Uh, with a gentleman on the uh, Civil War about a local hero who went to the University of Georgia and became a colonel uh, in Cobb's Legion. And there were these letters between he and his his wife uh, at the Harvard Library here at the university. And I've uh, even, uh, I never have been any good at golf, but uh, what I have learned about studying courses is that I've, had a great interest in gardening. So I've uh, been an inspiration for anybody that wants to be a gardener late in life, uh, and particularly one that's written a book about something maybe they don't know anything about. So I've written a book about gardening. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of things to learn out there, and, and uh, the gardening has become my golf. So I've uh, still try to lead a full life and feel like that you're making a contribution and that you are enjoying life uh, and helping. And I've been going down to Honduras for the last five years uh, with a group out of Atlanta uh, that uh, does tre- tremendous uh, mission work down there. So that's uh, also a part of, of mine. And we've gone over to Lewis, France uh, on the three, four different occasions uh, to help with the Order of Malta. So I've tried to uh, live as, as long as I'm alive, a good active life and hopefully making a contribution along the way. Absolutely. And I, I think I speak for a lot of people, coach, you've made more than a contribution. And I know just here locally through Kennesaw state, the difference you made in Vaughn's life and just giving him that, that ear to, to, to bend and to talk to and to pour into. And man, you, you, you are a great friend to him. If you were to be talking to a young high school coach who's molding young athletes, um, any words of wisdom for young high school coaches that you'd like to pass on to them? Well, they certainly need to want to be committed to the profession because it certainly can be can be challenging, uh, and uh, you've got to really enjoy it. I never was sure that that's what I wanted to do. In fact, I tried to take, uh, I took business as an example, because uh, at the time, 
they didn't pay coaches very well. That thing has changed since that time, I might add. But nevertheless, uh, I uh, was committed to go into the military, which was a good training for me. I was uh, went into as a, in the Marine Corps. I took uh, an ROTC program, and then after that, I had to make a decision and. Uh, I had an offer to stay in the Marine Corps, which I enjoyed. I had an offer to go to in the banking business. Uh, I took uh, uh, economics, and then uh, I uh, had an offer to to uh, coach at my high school, and then I had an offer to coach in where I had played, and um, and all of them were good offers. And I was fortunate, and I thought, well, I think I'll try and uh, go back to uh, my alma mater and and coach and see what happens after that. Well, of course, there was, there was no question that I, I was at home coaching. I really loved it, uh, loved the challenge of coaching. I loved the, the competition. I loved working with players. Uh, and, uh, and then hopefully continued to grow uh, as an individual. Uh, and that has been uh, one of the – one of the satisfying parts of my life is that uh, I'll be 85 in March and I feel like by uh, being blessed with a, a good long life that I have worked to better myself as a person. Uh, sometimes if your life is cut short, you don't get a chance to improve as I have done that in my life. Uh, I stay in as active as I can. So there's a great, uh, there's a lot of, wonderful things out there and the coaching profession can have a tremendous amount of influence on young people. And, uh, in, in, we certainly can have it in college, but I think that high school coaches have the greatest opportunity to influence people in a positive way. Uh, and as I look back on my life, there's nobody outside of my parents that was more important to me in my early days than my high school coach. Uh, there were some things I was confused about. I wasn't sure uh, about some things. I was questioning other things. Maybe I was just being a teenager. I don't know. But what did make sense was sports and the way he handled me and the way in his example uh, was a tremendous help to me. And so every opportunity that I ever had to speak to high school coaches, I try to point out to them how important their job is because they really are in a position to influence, uh, influence young men at a critical time in their lives. Well, that's so good. That is so good. And, you know, we, we talk a lot with high school coaches around our area, you know, they don't, they don't burn out because of what they do. They burn out because they forget why they do what they do. And that remembering that why and that difference is such, such a big deal. But last question for you today, coach, is this, if somebody were to ask you, coach Dooley, what, what's the biggest difference your faith in Christ and your, your faith in the Lord has made in your life? What would you What would you tell them? Well, I I tell them that uh, that it's that's got to be sort of the foundation uh, of 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 everything uh, is to have that faith, and then to be able to um, have someone that shares the same faith as I've just pointed out, uh, and with my wife, uh, I've been very fortunate in that. 
and it's, it is really important to her. It's important to me, but it's even more important to her. Uh, and uh, because of that, uh, uh, we have addressed uh, what is uh, a very basic value in what I think is a su- successful marriage, and um, that we both share that, that base uh, of faith uh, to begin with. And all the other uh, issues that you, uh, that, that you meet as you go along and as you grow and as you struggle and, uh, and you go through some times that are a, a little tough, that you can survive all those because you share a basic faith. Uh, and that's what we do, and we've been able to uh, um, to, to have a, a, a very successful marriage because of it. Coach Dooley, thank you so much for, for not only taking the time to visit with me today, but also for all that you've done to make a difference in so many former players' lives, but but kids in your programs there at Georgia, but also in your own family. So, Coach, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, it has sure meant the world to us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you do. Uh, you've, uh, you've got a lot to be proud of. And I'm proud to have the opportunity to visit with you. God bless. I hope you enjoyed our time today with Coach Dooley. What a legacy that man has left. And what I learned about him, there are two things that stood out to me about Coach Dooley. The word integrity heard that all throughout the interview and what a what a lesson for all of us that are trying to build something great to do it on a great foundation. But the second thing is just his passion for learning. The man has not stopped learning and I hope that'll be true for all of us. Thank you so much coach Dooley for that time and I hope you got as much out of it as I know I did. Well, next month on Lynch with a Leader, we get to interview Fox News host Shannon Bream. Shannon not only has uh, her own podcast, Living the Bream, but she's also an anchor from the White House and the Supreme Court, and you watch her many nights on Fox News. But what a journey Shannon's been on to get where she is today and to prove out that you can live out your faith while still making a difference. Can't wait to have you next month on Lunch with a Leader as we get to sit down with Shannon Bream. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 